0: This spoiler-filled podcast is recorded live, unscripted, and intended for those over 18. Now prepare your ears for the audio stimulation they've been waiting for all day as we step into
1: the Spoiler Room.
0: So I think, I think we said what needed to be said with uh, Nightbreed, definitely. Uh, why don't we move on to our second romance <laughs> film of the evening, which is (laughs) Frankenhooker anybody want to give the summary of (laughs) Frankenhooker anyone
2: at all Oh, oh okay. I do it, I do get it. Andrew,
3: Let's get Andrew. Go,
2: Andrew. <laughs> little, Eddie, little Eddie got a joke to tell. All right. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, a, it's about this uh, woman who's, uh, you know, her boyfriend is a amateur mad scientist, and uh, he makes this present for her dad for his birthday as a remote control lawnmower. Goes, <laughs> goes haywire, chops her into pieces, but aha, aha, he's got a plan. So he he makes super crack, and all these hookers smoke it. They blow up. And he uses the parts to put her back together. But she has the personalities of all these hoes in addition to her own. So, you know, things just get crazy from there. <laughs> that's, that's really
0: well put. With Frank and Hooker, I remember seeing it years ago. And just because it was the title that, uh, you know, I caught it back then because, again, I was 15 – uh, and there were reasons why I wanted to watch Frankenhooker. <laughs> so, but surprisingly, this is actually a really fun and well-made parody that I would say rival a Zucker Brothers film. Paul, what would you say?
1: I, I would agree with you. Uh, and In fact, I avoided it for the name because uh, I just thought it was going to be one of those like really stupid type of movies. But then when I watched it the first time, I was like, wow, this is honestly funny. Uh, and and like you said, it's it's a it's a probably a film that people don't give enough respect to just because of uh, because of its name.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely. Well, that because you know it's it's more of the exploitation elements. But mm-hmm. Don, would you say this rivals a Zucker Brothers parody? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what what are your impressions of Frankenhoek or Your initial ones when you first saw it.
4: Well, I just saw it for the first time this last week. Oh, you did! Oh, yeah, another I'd never new seen it watcher.
0: Before. Awesome, another new um, watcher along with Cole. So, uh, what were your, your impressions? I want, I want to definitely want to hear this.
4: Uh. I was absolutely blown away by Patty Mullins' performance. Mm-hmm. I right. thought if it wasn't for her, the movie would have been crap. Um.
0: <laughs> I, I would, I totally agree with that. I can definitely see that it it's really I, I, I was, on her performance.
4: She, yes, absolutely. Oh. Um, and and that may be a little extreme. I just, the movie was, it was really well written, mm-hmm. and it it, the dialogue was was fun, and you know, I love the fact that um, Jeffrey's character did. Uh, an, an almost non-stop monologue. It wasn't, <laughs> yeah. I, I I absolutely love that it wasn't yeah. a voiced-over narrative, but it was actually him <laughs> having the crazy going on, <laughs> and he was just a-talking and a-talking, and he wouldn't shut up no matter what. Yeah. I, and I love that, but I I'm not quite sure what it was. Mm-hmm. about about the actor, uh, James Lawrence mm-hmm. that he didn't just didn't quite do it for me. Right. I, I'm not sure if he was trying to be he, he got the deadpan monologuing off, but his actions were also really kind of passive.
0: Mm-hmm. But uh, Patty Mullen definitely did it for you with her. Oh,
4: God, yes.
0: <laughs> uh, Cole, what about you, sir? You were a first-time watcher this past, uh, just today, in fact. Right uh, now. Well, yeah. Right now. So for your initial impressions with, with Frank and Hooker, uh, would you say it's a good Zucker Brothers parody almost?
5: Um. Oh, man. God, and comes the moment <laughs> where I myself as a brutally ruthless self-obsessed filmmaker. What was the budget for this thing? Was it really $2 million? Couldn't have been.
0: It's anyway, estimated, I, I think. I
5: was annoyed, man. I was so annoyed watching this film. I, I just... It started, and and the, the writing is good. Dawn mentioned something interesting, which is the monologue that caught my attention. The very monologue mm-hmm. she mentions could have been funny. I thought that writing was excellent because it's almost like... In a good parody, that would have been a good monologue because he's mm-hmm. making fun of all these monologues that all the mad scientists make. Um, but man, oh, the production values were terrible. And <laughs> uh, as a as a Reanimator fan, I just kept thinking: I mean, if you're gonna do a yes. parody this way, Reanimator's done this like so much better. And I know there's a gap there in terms of budget, which is why I looked up the budget for Frank and hooker. I couldn't find it. Um, but I didn't want to get too involved in the making of Frank and hooker because as a critic, how do you review a movie called Frank and hooker? You go in knowing that it's probably going to have a lot of jokes about prostitution and dead people and <laughs> plot. Um, but they're not above B movies or even mm-hmm. stupid movies. I just, I didn't laugh much. I thought that for, uh, a uh, movie especially about sewing somebody together for for all of the bad jokes there weren't enough gross out gags and you know <laughs> the fact that the lawnmower death happens off screen like well I mean if you're gonna try to please an audience man what, what's up that's why I'm asking about the budget I just feel like Oh, Wikipedia. There, rarely do, very rarely do I pull this card, but I've made better movies with seven thousand dollars. So I just <laughs> wow. I, well, I, Wikipedia I, I is. Really wanted, I, I gotta say, I did not enjoy it. I found it okay. kind of insulting. Not at all funny. Uh, oh, kind of a waste of money. That,
3: that, <laughs> that's all.
2: I can say, really, I'm but, sorry. Wait,
5: I oh, no, no, it's it's okay.
0: That's why I, I love this group. We we have such a great diverse group and, and I'm
3: just I'm just saying that the Wikipedia and the IMDB say that the budget is two point five million. I don't know if that's accurate or not. It's if probably it,
0: estimated.
3: If it is, yeah, if it is, I'm it says estimated, yeah. If it is, I I think that probably a lot of that went to the thirty five millimeter prints. The New, the New York uh, locations, um, the you the know, best VHS like, box of all fucking <laughs> best VHS box of all time, that kind of stuff. I think it went, went to like practical things like that. Uh, and you know, the making of Supercrack. Yeah, I think
0: It was the Supercrack that put them over budget. That's yep. that's definitely what it was. <laughs> Andrew, what about you and and Frankenhooker? What about
2: me and Frankenhooker? <laughs> I was a 13-year-old boy walking the aisles of West Coast Video in Atlanta, Yay,
4: Georgia. Yay! I used to work there.
2: And, and I saw this box, <laughs> and I and it said Frankenhooker, and, and I touched it, and she says, want a date? And I'm like, yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and the thing about movies like this is, the calling your movie Frankenhooker, that's a tall, tall order, you know? And at the time, I was fan of, like, Scream Queen stuff, I mean... Uh, Linnea Quigley, Michelle Bauer, Brink Stevens, and so I was looking for, you know, I was looking for some over the top stuff, and Frankenhooker has got to me that movie had like everything, man. Patty Mullen is hilarious, like she's so freaking funny, and Dawn is right, man. She, she is that the movie is called Frankenhooker, and she runs the whole show. She's <laughs> funny as before she's dead. She's funny, at, you know, when she comes back to life. She's got this great face. She's sometimes a facial tic and just puts you right out. It's <laughs> yes. so funny. She's got purple nipples when her top comes off. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it's just like you watch and – like, here's what happens. Some fr- we always show up of a movie at the art house on my birthday. One year we showed Frankinooker and people showed up like, I got to see this. I got to just say i seen Frankinooker. People were like, the whores are blowing up because they smoke super crack. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man. And then uh, Gabe Bartalos, all those weird-ass special effects that kind of – you know they look like the basket case two and three type of effects. They're all made around the – the same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just, man, I remember I was a kid, and me and my brother, we just watched that incessantly because really, movie called Frankenhooker, he's got it. Like it, it and, and Zorro the pimp, right? Zorro. Zorro he's got the these, pimp. He's got such good lines. He's like, uh, uh, there's this dude, dudes like when his, when a man loses his hose, he loses everything. And Zorro's <laughs> like, I, I didn't lose them. They just blew up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but. but uh, <laughs> He says he – says, uh, he he's like beating on the door. Hey, bitches, open up. He's just got – oh, man. Uh, he's like, I, I didn't lose my bitches. They just blew up. I don't know, man. I, maybe it's nostalgia for me. But I show this movie to a, a room full of adults years after I watched it a lot when I was a kid. They, <laughs> they were all thoroughly entertained. And, and uh, James Lawrence, you got to remember, I've met Patty Mullen. I've met James Lawrence. I've met Frank Hanlon. These people are hilarious people. Like, they yeah. are seriously fighting people. And James Lawrence got a screw loose. And so, <laughs> so when he's, like, sitting there mumbling Chinese girl when he's going through the parts, that's what he's like in real life.
3: And Patty Mullen <laughs>
2: also... She's like that in real life, too. She's funny as hell in real oh, life. Oh,
3: that's great.
2: I'm sorry that's if I so. went too long, man. I love Frank. No, no, <laughs> no that's
3: good. No, it's fine. Scott, what about you, sir? I'm with Andrew. I'm with Andrew. I love this movie. Uh, when I, of course, I first saw the trailer on some other uh, thing that was, like, released by Shapiro Glickenhaus or something like that, you know, I was like, oh, my God, Frankenhooker, I got to see this. This is great. I And I remember finding that VHS box in a Video Merchant, and, uh, and uh, the... To let people, when we we're referencing this, just to make it clear for people, it had this great, it has this classic collectible VHS box where you pushed the Frankenhooker on the cover, and she said, "What day?" You know, and <laughs> and I'm just, you know, you, of course, you'd grab this box from there, and you just start pushing that, and you just like you'd hear the people behind the gun and just go. Oh someone knocked the box again. What a date? What a date? What a date? Must have driven them up a no- freaking wall. But the and so when I watched the movie now I will admit that the first time I watched the movie and I watched it with uh, people. I watched I had had people over like for I don't know, I think it was a sleepover. More people
0: you were more. corrupting?
3: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I was trying to corrupt all the people, all all the all the church people. All the people Did you the have the a concertos. bus? That
4: you <laughs> Did you have a regular theatrical I, yeah, schedule was, printed in the paper? And
3: it, we, we they were we were wondering like says, well, where's Frankenhooker? Because it's interesting to note that okay, the Beyoncé dies in the uh, pre-credit sequence, and then Frankenhooker doesn't actually Patty Mullen doesn't actually show up again as Frankenhooker until the 56-minute mark, and this is an 84-minute movie.
2: Yeah. But there's so, so much nudity, Scott.
3: It is. There's a lot of nudity and everything, and like, everybody really appreciated it and everything. And then I, will of course, like, yeah, that was a little off-putting and stuff, but, th- but we loved it as soon as she showed up. And then, of course, when, as whenever I've watched it again, and I've now seen it like six or seven times uh, – I actually love everything about it. I love the whole lead-up because when you look at that first hour, it's almost like it's setting up a very, very, very long joke because yeah. he finally has his ideal woman. She's finally back. He's had to kill all these hookers, and the first thing she says is, want a date? I mean, that's perfect. <laughs> that's a great joke. I actually will disagree with your Zucker Brothers, Mark, no offense. Okay. No, just no, that's fine. Just, I I was just getting impignt. Just because then, yeah. I think, and this might surprise people, I think that as crazy as a lot of the humor is in this movie, I think a lot of it is uh, more subtle mm-hmm. than a Zucker Brothers movie. Uh, There's, like, for instance, a scene in the very – like, soon after she dies – where he has all these pictures on the wall. And yes! The, and there's the, there's the central picture of her. He doesn't straighten the picture up. He makes it so it's just a little crooked, just like all the other pictures. It's a <laughs> wonderful moment.
4: <laughs> not, not just that, but did you notice that most of those pictures are all headshots with her eyes closed, as if yeah. they're all pictures he took After After. she got her head chopped off? After
3: she got her head chopped off. Yeah, well, of course, and that's exactly what the picture is of her, you know, that he keeps on top of the diagram. Lots of real subtle stuff there. Also contextual stuff. Now, I had moved from New Jersey. I used to live in Jersey um, around probably the same neighborhood as this guy did. Uh, They called it – I can't remember. What do they call it? They tried to do like a a, a thing where they were kind of like bastardizing the names of Hoboken and Hackensack. I know. Yeah. And um, they uh, and they and this is the like m- mid '80s when this was being shot. So when they talked about like the prostitutions and everything on on the street and everything like that, that was like on the news. Like, oh, was our city in decay? The crack epidemic. People look back at that stuff. Yes, I mean the crack was problem was horrible, but look back at the hysteria that was in the media, in all forms of media at that time, especially on on like the East Coast there, with uh, regarding crack. Like, oh my God, it's going to kill us all, and uh, (laughs) that stuff. You had, and then of course you have him as like the. You see, like things where like Jeffrey's kind of a closet conservative. As wacky as he is, he's <laughs> he's he's like tell, he's warning them, no, stay, no, don't kiss kiss the other girl. Your <laughs> your body's your not meant to do that. Do that. <laughs>
2: or he the check mark on the butt, and oh, and when he presses the nipple, he goes utterly awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and he
3: and he and then of course don't forget when he uh tries to rationalize it, he says, well, I'm not telling them to take it. they I'm just putting the drugs in front of them. They can just say no i mean yeah. that was like such a hey nancy reagan <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a
2: really ridiculous movie and that's probably why you, you think of a uh, zucker brothers but really it's it's not as self-aware it's just it's yeah. just frankenhooker and, Hooker, it's and just there's brain, nothing it, like it
3: it is a it is i think it's a very satirical movie i think it's it, when you look at it it's practically a, a lot of it is practically a remake of the brain that wouldn't die yeah um and uh, you know he, the same thing happens. Fian, fiance, fiance dies. He salvage, salvages the head, kills hookers to get the, the parts. But it, then it goes off into its own. Yeah, body. the head
2: was kind of a the head was kind of an asshole, man. Frankenhooker's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean,
3: yeah, <laughs> Frankenhooker is an awesome person. And then you get all the great comeuppance and everything, and it, it, it's it's just a fantastic movie. It works on a lot of different levels. I really think that, and it's a. Uh, and, it, and, you know, of course, I'm drawn to it because of the name Frankenhooker. I was like just the opposite of Paul there. <laughs> it's like, I was actually like, Frankenhooker, gimme! You know, it's like...
2: It would have been a big disappointment if it wasn't that good, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, right? Frankenhooker's right. a tall order, and I it's one of the few movies from around that time got a title that awesome that actually ended up being like a great... I mean, it does what it says. It says what it does. You
3: know? Yeah, it's very fantastic. Very- <laughs> Frank Henenlotter, it, it might be my Frank... Well, I gotta rewatch Brain Damage, but I mean, it might be my fr- favorite Hen and loader film. I I I loved Frankenhooker. Mm-hmm.
0: So, as you can tell, folks, we have a mixture of opinions on Frank and Hooker. Most of us care for it, but if you don't, uh, that's all right too. Now, with Frankenhooker, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit deep here because, as we did with Nightbreed, this film could still be topical for today when it comes to discussing female body image. Now, female body image is big in the news right now, but let's look at what goes on in the dialogue that they have here. I believe it it is satirical, and it's making some statements, but there's a theme about female body image that could go today. Namely, we have Elizabeth, who's discussing with her friend how she can't lose weight. And then we have our friend Jeffrey, who is looking for a new body for her, and what does he do? He puts her face on these models and yep. these Lights, light, light not, not just not just models, nude centerfold models, the the fantasy woman, mm. and 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 he builds a body based off of that. Dawn, could this film still apply today to people about stating about female body image in the media as well as uh, perception and such?
4: Absolutely. I mean it's It's not just her talking to her at the beginning it's not just her talking to her friend about how she can't lose weight it's about how she's she's tried everything she allowed Jeffrey to staple her stomach yeah. uh, her, <laughs> mom, her mom does does fat shaming even the the um newscaster who's reporting on it uh um makes – oh, God, I forget the exact comment she makes. It's a
2: messed up joke, yeah, that you said. Yeah, yeah.
4: but there's there's the girthful bride yes. or yeah. something like that. Um, there's a lot of body shaming, a lot of body shaming. And then uh, – Interestingly enough, at the beginning, Jeffrey didn't seem to care about that. But when he's got to rebuild her, all of a sudden, it's got to be perfect. And even though it's unconventional, he loves her even more now that she's got the perfect body. Right. And, and that, I think, says a lot.
0: Right. But and then too, you think it's going to be that type of film all the way till the end, though. Where she gets <laughs> come up and I think, oh that was great. I think the ending you have to admit the ending whether or not you hate it or or, or like it you, you got to admit that ending. I did not see it go that route way where it was gonna go, and I think ending that film that way makes a whole nother statement and a whole nother meaning with this film. Would you not agree with putting where she put his head on a female body? Uh, Andrew, what, what, do you think that they were trying to make a bit of a
2: statement there? <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I, I didn't, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't think about a statement. And as a feminist, that's kind of weird because I look at shit and see everything uh, <laughs> yeah. all the time. <laughs> uh-huh. But uh, but that's what he that's what he gets, man, for doing that. You know, it's like mm-hmm. at first when he's like rebuilding her body and stuff, he was aware that she wasn't very happy with how she looked. So he he'm like, all right, well, you know, might as well take opportunity to make her happier with herself or whatever but you know when she sees herself she's horrified she's like this isn't my hand this isn't my breast this isn't my legs you know and suddenly it's like well the old me wasn't so bad after all because what the hell is this shit you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, for, so for him to for, for her and she's making jokes to him she's like well you know uh, what I did was a bit unorthodox but hey you know you're back and I love you she say, says his same words back to him yeah, yeah oh. it
3: was that great Twilight zone s kind of yeah and you know, she's very aware it back on him. it's like turnabout is fair play type thing yeah <laughs> yeah, so it's.
2: I think. Um, I think the movie could have been seen as very reckless and irresponsible had they not done that, and I think they right. set themselves up because they knew they were going to have that ending. It was like, that's right, that's what you get, dude. You know.
0: <laughs> Cole, what did you think of the ending on this? I know you didn't care for the film too much, but, but did that ending surprise you at least the way it was written?
5: Ooh, no. no, no, it didn't actually. I saw it coming. Actually, kind of the second. I, I I wish I, my lady friend should do the show with me because she could vouch for me. I'm just going to sound like a snobby filmmaker. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, look, he's going to get his comeuppance. He's probably going to get his head lopped off, and then uh-huh. she's going to attach his... Actually, what I exactly said was he's going to get his head attached to various parts of other pimps, and he's going to end up the pimp at the end. And I, wow. I was off there, but... Um, I don't know, man. I can't get too complex about this movie. <laughs> I understand people have love for it. I, I, you know, I just think they're starving filmmakers, and it's it's kind of sad that money just goes places. I don't know. This was this was made back in 1990,
0: though. It was. It was made in 1990. You yes. know, it was. It wasn't exactly the today's culture, but uh, and I do think the two million was a bit high. And I don't know. I heard stories they didn't even have permits to f- actually shoot in New York.
3: <laughs> but I know I, that he's he, talking I, to me as Swedish in Times Square. Yeah, I know. I know. that he didn't. I know that he didn't on uh, like stuff like basket case and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. but I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know if he got it if they got it for this or not because he was getting, you know, sh- when this is like the sh- when when Henenlotter hooked up with Shapiro Glickenhaus, I think it was for this and Basket Case two and three, yeah. like, right? Like all around the same, it was, and it's like the, that was the most prolific period of uh, Loder's directing career because mm-hmm. I think after Basket Case three, he didn't direct anything until Bad Biology, which sure. I think is very underrated. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, I, I so I mean I think that he was finally getting some money but you know what I think that it's also a thing where you, when you start you're an independent filmmaker you're raising the money yourself you stretch those dollars as far as you can go then you actually get like a big wad of cash to do a movie or I mean Two point I would say
2: million. the effects, I would say it probably went to all those practical effects. There's tons
3: of effects. In and, a, and also, I Huge think the 35mm film stock is a big step up from where he was and everything. And honestly, I think there's also one you get that you'd be surprised because like, oh, okay, I have 2.5 million, but it's almost like I only have 1 million because there's a lot of overhead suddenly. Yeah,
0: that's, that's looks- true.
3: A Lot of people to pay off. <laughs> and the video
2: box would talk, man. And the video
3: yeah, box would talk.
2: Dances and Wolves heard. video box didn't
3: talk. And they had a and they had a blurb <laughs> and they had a blurb on the poster from Bill Murray, don't forget.
0: That's right. Yes, so. there was a Anybody bl- want
3: to hear everybody know that story? Is that I think what was it? I think it was Bill Murray was editing Quick Change, which is another great movie. Oh yeah. And at the same movie. time they were editing Frankenhooker and, and you'd come in and watch it and everything. I guess and Someone correct me if I'm screwing this up. Hennen, so someone was like, dude, get a quote from Bill Murray for the box. And he's like, I can't do that. I can't do that. And they, apparently they went to him and Murray said no because he's distasteful for him. But then – and he felt really shitty about it. And then Hennan Lauder's like walking down the street and he sees Murray walking ahead of him. He's like walking kind of back, back, doesn't want to be seen. Bill Murray turns around and he says, what's going on? And he's, and Frank Allen says I I just want you to know. I'm I'm sorry I didn't want to come to you in the first place I don't mean to put you on the spot like that I felt really bad about it because we had some good times blah blah, blah. and just, and Murray says now you can have your quote <laughs> and so if you look on the and the, on the posters it said it says if you see only one movie this year see Frank and Hooker, Bill Murray <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's think- right dude. I think I got that story right. I yeah, I, I think I remember that as well. And it I sounds may like. I have gotten a couple details wrong. It, it
0: does sound like something Bill Murray would do. Is, you know, okay, you're coming to me and now you're apologizing. Okay, now you'll get your quote. <laughs> you know, it sounds it's like. like
3: something to, well, I mean, I mean, I think it was also a thing of like. He was like, it would be like, you know, yeah, we're watching this guy. He's doing this crazy movie. It's pretty cool. And then some people, like money people, come in and start doing it. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, dude, I didn't think this guy would pull a dick move like that. And then you're like, oh, it wasn't him. It was the other guys. Oh yeah, yeah. You can have a quote. <laughs> I can see that. I would. I could see doing that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that well, spe- speaking of the budget and the effects in that, the practical effects in here, there are a lot of prosthetics used. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so uh we get to the end of this movie folks and, and zorro as as the pimp uh, who who brands his ladies good old zorro he shows up uh and he gets he gets attacked as well by pieces parts what did you what did you think paul of the design of the pieces parts creatures
1: <laughs> it's uh hard to describe but yeah it uh it was uh, i loved the little walking parts. And and then it, at first I didn't think about it because when he, when the uh, uh, Jeffrey dumped all the things into that one cooler with the, with the, the sludge in there, yeah, I didn't think anything would happen out of that. And then right at the end, it, it paid off where, where it just kind of spills out. And then you get all these like weird walking body parts attached to it. And they, they it in and it, it was really an awkward experience, but it was funny. I, I, I couldn't help but laugh. <laughs>
0: Yes. It was. It was really awkward. Uh, Daw, what about you? What did you think of of that part with the the pieces parts getting their uh, revenge on the pimp? Uh, <laughs> 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 I love it. That's why I asked it. You
4: know, I I like the gag um it, it i I was really confused about how those parts melded together when um she didn't elizabeth's hadn't been then I remembered that oh yeah the the whole cooler got um struck by lightning that yeah. that happened um I like the gag it, i I do like the gag it was done better in reanimator but <laughs> I, I i i did like. I I enjoy the gag, but it was done so much better. And it it did have the reanimator.
0: I, <laughs> it did have a, a a reanimator feel to it. It it really did. When um, when,
4: it, when, it, like when thought, it comes right down to it, Herbert West has my heart.
2: Yeah, Word. In a jar on his desk. In a jar on the shelf. <laughs> you know. on his shelf. <laughs> yes!
0: But I will say the practical effects actually look really good. Uh, especially with the blowing up hookers. Now, <laughs> <laughs> I, I personally thought so maybe that's where
2: a lot of their budget went to. Uh, you know, I think it was the guinea pig that blew up that took all the money. Out. <laughs> Yeah the cotton balls painted with magic marker exactly
0: <laughs> there there was some creative camera work there wasn't there Andrew with melding the live action ladies with the exploding ladies
2: Oh dude yeah they had to they had to they had to stop in the zack pose of the uh, of the um, the dummy that they blow up and that, yeah. as an editing, that's actually you know really really tough to do because they had to they had to end up in the position of the thing that was built to blow. So I, that was a very ambitious thing to try to do, honestly. And, and to watch that movie, just you know, because I am a filmmaker and I've, you know, and I'm also reanimators. My favorite movie of all time. It's like this this movie had guts for days trying to do a lot of this stuff that it did. You know, that was a you watch it and go like, damn, I would never try it. You know, yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I would never try it, but they. They really, try, they really went for it. And, uh, you know, um, when they blow up, it's weird because, like, it really looks like mannequins blowing up. Like, yeah. it's, it's not really gory, which is a neat choice, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. there isn't a whole lot of actual blood and guts in the movie. And uh, that's... Yeah, it's really kind of interesting, and it makes it even weirder and more original, I think, because it's not just like they blow up and there's gore everywhere. Um, they blow up and it's more like, you know, uh, a firecracker. fire, fire, firecrackers,
3: yeah. you know? The film was a lot sillier than... But that would have been than, disturbing than as, as hell. Or brain Damage.
2: Yeah, that. it would have been disturbing as shit if it was all bloody and gory, you know what I mean? Like uh, yeah. No,
3: and this that, way it was funny, too.
2: Yeah, they could, they could get away with these wild-ass things they were doing.
4: <laughs> What's well, a lot of... <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead, you wonder if they did that because of the whole uh, uh, experience that uh, was had when Evil Dead came out. And they had the X rating because there was so much gore that they chose mm-hmm. to go this direction instead.
3: Oh, Frank and mm-hmm. Hooker still had to be sent back a- multiple times to- in order to get it, an
2: R I rate. think they did it because they were cheap, honestly. <laughs>
3: <probably was. laughs> I, 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 mean, say, I think those is, things were... Yeah, they had nice. the... They had, a, they, they had. Plus, a lot of those hookers and stuff were pl- played by actual centerfold models, and Heather Hunter was actually in there. She the was adult, Amber,
0: wasn't she? The, the adult
3: star? No, uh, or... uh, Chartreuse, I think.
0: Oh, was she Chartreuse? Like
3: uh, but yeah, it was uh, the adult star Heather Hunter, who is a yes. big, who is actually a, a one of the top stars of the time. Uh, was it was in there? Yeah. Uh, the um,
2: there's the Blurry, I think has an interview with one of the women that was in that scene, and she just talks about how hysterically funny making that was. Mm-hmm. How much fun they had doing it. Well, yeah, especially when the crack comes out. <laughs> super crack. the super. It's like, this crack. crack shit's killing him. My super crack will do it a lot faster. See, and that's how. <laughs> yeah.
0: And folks, that's how you know it was a '90s film and not an '80s film because if it was uh, mid '80s film, it would have been cocaine. <laughs> right? we, we've we moved up in our, our drug.
3: Culture. And now they would call it yeah. Molly or Bath Salts or whatever these kids be are taking
2: <laughs> God, if they remade Frankenhooker, I'd totally put Britney Spears as Frankenhooker. <laughs> <laughs> be like the best I mean, her or, or Elizabeth Berkeley I wouldn't be able to choose
0: oh Elizabeth Berkeley would make a Oh, I'd like
2: Bride Frank of Frankenhooker and put both of them Bride of Frankenhooker <laughs> yeah like lesbian Bride of Frankenhooker oh, I'd be the best dude your next movie <laughs> oh, my God. I, could, I could dream I could dream you know, as a director I would I would I would love to have said i made movies like Frankenhooker exactly I would just love it it's, <laughs> to me that's just a career defining thing to think he also made Basket Case you know
0: yeah, this is this is from the same director who's given us the Basket Case too. Two, two freaking
2: two B movie classics in his lifetime. It's just, you know it's the stuff dreams are made of.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and, and and what's interesting too is uh, their choice
0: of actor uh, actress for Frankenhooker, and We've mentioned before Patty Mullen, who was actually really good in this. Had not been in much. She was a penthouse pet, was she? Yeah. Uh And so not much acting chops, but. One her, feature film prior.
3: Yeah, yeah her Doom, acting, Doom Asylum, which I hear is great. I have not seen it yet. Her
0: acting in here was really good. From her special, of, I mean, the makeup effects, but from her facial expressions in that and the character that she designed. I mean, did you expect Frankenhooker to be like she was once we finally get to Frankenhooker? Uh, Dawn, did you expect her to be like way she was? Uh, you know, way she was portrayed, way she was. Uh, the performance by patty Mullen. Did, did did you expect that at all
4: i I really had no expectations
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> um,
4: i i i think i've I've said before I try very hard to go into most movies without knowing much, so there are no expectations because you know usually things disappoint um, right but i I wasn't sure at all what to expect, but I was just pleased to no end with how she turned out. I loved that almost all of her lines were direct quotes
3: from, from the other others
4: yeah. in the movie. And uh, interestingly enough, most of her quotes at the end, most of her lines at the end, after Jeffrey, you know, gets decapitated, were direct quotes from him.
0: <laughs> it's true i you're right i think each line of her dialogue was actually taken from previous lines of dialogue <laughs> M-
4: much of it not all of it Not but all much of it, of no. it. And, and and i did i i found that whole thing very interesting especially when um you were uh, when when we were discussing the whole um surprise uh what if we were surprised at the ending yeah. because the more i was thinking about it the more it made sense. Mm-hmm. If, if she was repeating what had happened to her and to the hookers, it would make sense that she would repeat that.
0: Right. She would repeat his work because she's been repeating just about everything else in that. And she has explosive folks. You don't want to have sex with Frank and Hooker. Oh, uh, definitely not. No, because there's a bad side effect of exploding.
2: I don't know oh. dude that's pretty ultimate man
3: it's <laughs> going to be like your last time you know uh, I yeah, didn't really I... feel bad yeah, I didn't really feel bad for the old guy in there I'm like oh well he went, he went out happy he was, he yeah. was happy. But... He, he, he seems, so happy that I'm like, oh, that's kind of sweet. But isn't that rad though? That one, that one
2: guy's like, he's hitting on her, and he's like, "How about a little fire?" But the next thing you know, his head's flying out the friggin' window. <laughs> yeah. I love it, man. If it, I just love in my in my Frankenhooker sequel, man. All the cat collars just explode on set. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're writing the Frankenhooker sequel as we speak. Oh,
2: I would love to. <laughs>
0: Uh what about you, uh Paul? Did uh, uh Patty Mullins uh performance surprise you as as how the character Frankenhooker uh was portrayed?
1: Uh it didn't surprise me, but I was I was impressed by it. Uh like Connett stated, uh the having her go through all of the lines of the others uh other previous prostitutes, it was it was actually as if she was that she did have all of the other people inside of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought was really nice and and I honestly liked all of the the different characters because of their names you know you got you got Amber angel and you got crystal and you got monkey and and sugar <laughs> and snow you Chartreuse, <laughs> Chartreuse and, and and Anise i just i I kind of like fell in love with their characters before I got to meet them just because of their names mm-hmm. um, and then just to have them keep kind of live on through her was really nice so
2: Oh, yeah. God, I just realized something. I made this movie called 1-900 about phone sex workers, and I named all the phone sex workers after the hookers and Frankenhooker. Oh, my, <laughs> my God! <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I totally did. I just forgot it was a few years ago. am <laughs> such a nerd for
3: Frankenhooker. <laughs> <laughs> <Well, laughs>
0: love it or hate it, Frankenhooker is a cult classic. Uh, not just for name alone, but for everything about this film. And, uh, you know, it is 25, 25 years later, and we're still talking about it. So, uh, you know, let's give kind of just our final thoughts on on both films with Nightbreed and Frankenhooker. Cole, why don't you go first? Uh, 25 years later, these are two films that are still being talked about Uh does it surprise you at all? And uh, we we kind of know how you feel about Frankenhooker, but but still, is it surprising at all that these films still are being talked in our culture right now? Do you think, uh, 25 years later?
5: No, man. I mean, I I can understand the appeal of Frankenhooker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really can, and um, you know, I have no animosity towards it. And certainly, sure. any anybody, anybody who's listening who loves it, who or who was involved in it. You know, I, I know how much hard work it takes to make a movie. I do. Sure. It's it's everything just short of being fucking absolutely impossible <laughs> to get a film on the screen, especially when you have little money. So right. I, I understand. Right. Uh, on the other hand, I, I feel like, uh, you know, at, at some point you, you've got to <laughs> uh, try harder and mm-hmm. uh, do something that is going to... Open the hearts and minds of people, especially people who hate horror movies. Sure. Um, but again, that movie was made in 1990, and I, I know, I understand the climate it was in when it came out. I was there. Uh, and I, with all that being said, I, I'll, I'll just watch Reanimator again for, sure. for my sure. personal preference. For Nightbreed, as far as Nightbreed is concerned, uh, that's another movie that I didn't appreciate until seven days ago when I found out. We were going to be doing this show, and I watched the revised cut and um, still have problems with it, mainly a truncated first act that uh, is very short on backstory while propelling a narrative that's leading towards monsters without... It doesn't provide you roots for the monsters.
2: Sure.
5: Mm -hmm. Um, But that's an amazing film. I mean, obviously... The two films side by side, they're unfair to compare because Nightbreed has so much more money (laughs) to conceive, but uh, Nightbreed is the type of film that I strive to make. If I had millions of dollars, I would do a film wherein the villains were uh, humans and the heroes were monsters. I think it's uh, uh, all of the special effects aside, I think Nightbreed is the type of story that needs to be expanded on more because... That's what we're interested in as horror fans, I feel. Um, I I really feel we stick around for the villains, not for the heroes. I feel like we stick around for the weird characters, the freaks, um, the people who are not necessarily violent but who don't fit into any category. And Nightbreed relishes in those characters. It makes those characters, it's business and... When the movie came out, all it had was a cheap slasher poster on the marquee with a girl and I believe a monster's hand over her mouth, with a blip yeah. above it that said she's in trouble or you know she's about to be stabbed or it was something along those lines. And she's,
3: <laughs> she's about the to be movie stabbed. Never oh. had a fair
5: shot. I swear. <laughs> yeah, it never, was. It, was, it was. They were
3: terrible ads. They were terrible.
5: They were, ads. It was. It was horrible, but. I love Nightbreed. I love Nightbreed. I'm a new fan of Nightbreed because I just saw the revised cut. So I'm like, I'm a fan of love stories and and uh, the the new cut that man that love story is pronounced and um I I do apologize to all the Frank and Hooker fans. No no don't no, call
3: no, it's no. okay that you
5: you don't have to
0: apologize. Yeah, have your you own, like have
3: it. your own opinions. Yeah, if you didn't cool. like
0: it that's that's cool that's why I love this group so much everybody has a different perspective
3: on it. The pastor's kid didn't like Frank and Hooker. Well see, there you go.
4: And. <laughs> And there's absolutely nothing wrong with having an appreciation for the hard work that went into it and still not liking it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you just were not the target audience, and that's perfectly reasonable.
0: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that cult no, Nothing Thank wrong with that at all, man. Uh, but definitely uh, great opinion there on both those films. Don, what about you? 25 years later, we're still talking about Nightbreed, Frank Hooker. Your final thoughts with these two films?
4: I, I, I think that it, it recently... We, as an audience, have developed a a deep appreciation for the anti-hero. And I think that there are no real heroes in either of these movies, but more anti-heroes. And and I think that that is more why they are timely right now. If not timely, then relevant. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we want that not perfect hero or somebody who's kind of thrust into the role of hero that doesn't want it, who doesn't really fit the bill, but is kind of forced to do the right thing regardless.
0: Right. Right, and especially with all these superhero films out, uh, we we could actually probably use a few more anti-heroes.
4: Yeah, and, and nobody is going to accuse Boone of being a good man. <laughs> no, Boone
0: or a bright man. Or, or a bright man. A good man or a bright man. No, no, no offense to him at all, but let's just face it, he wasn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, Andrew, your final thoughts on Nightbreed and Frankenhooker?
2: Oh, man, if I could just do this for you... For your listeners, without upsetting myself, for becoming too, uh, I, 1990 was a really a golden time in my life. Uh, 91, uh, 90, you know, just 89 through 91, because uh, I was at this stage in my life, I was about 12 years old, 13 years old, and my dad was a horror movie fan, but I was always scared of him. But around this time was when I really started to read the books, read the magazines. I was like a full blown horror movie fan at this time, and he was on cloud nine because me and him got to go to the movies together for everything. We were running videos together all the time. It was just a major, major thing for my relationship with Dad. And I, I'll i think about 1990, 89, 91, I will always like really just uh, I'll have a thing in my heart for all those things. And, and what was cool was that the, the year my daughter was born, 2013, he comes into town to meet his granddaughter, and there's a the midnight screening of the cabal cut of, of Nightbreed. And so I'm like, you want to go to that? And he's like... Yeah, so we go to the Cabal Cut of Nightbreed, and right before, you know, during the Q&A part, um, I stand up and I'm like because they do it before because they know the movie's gonna end, you know, like like the next day, it's so freaking long. <laughs> and and they're like, uh any, you know, as anybody asks a question, I stood up and I told Craig Schiffer and Russell and other people, I was like, Look, my dad took me to Nightbreed in nineteen ninety as a huge Clyde Barker fan, and he's here with me tonight, we're watching this movie together, and I got this huge applause from everybody in the room and the guy <laughs> in front of us turned around to my dad and says, You're a great father. And my dad was like really moved by that. And we sat up at Wall Files and talked about it till four in the morning. And then they left. And that was the last time I saw my dad because he died a few months later in a, in a hmm. motorcycle accident. So like I have these awesome, awesome memories and feelings attached to like Nightbreed, Frankenhooker, Frank, Frank and, and all this stuff. But, but particularly that movie because it was like one of the first movies we saw together as to bond. And it was the last movie we saw together too. Isn't that crazy?
0: That That is wild. Wow. Amazing. That's yeah, to, that, story, man. That, that is an amazing story, too, man, Andrew. Yeah, I didn't
2: want to bum anybody up. But no, I just, no. I, like, it's, I, I, I feel like it's a happy thing for me. That is. Like you, it is you, great. It's a great. You know, life doesn't always work out that way, you know what I'm saying? So, like, that, to me, just, like, that's pretty perfect in my mind. It's a pretty cool circle. No, I,
0: pre- cool. I, I appreciate you sharing that, Andrew. No, that's, that's great that, uh, you know, something like that uh, you've got, you know, to – for a for me, uh, good memory like that, that's an awesome thing. So yeah, 1990, um,
2: man. I was looking through my journal. It's full of reviews of stuff, man. I was like, Darkman's in there. Predator 2's in there. I got like, Blood Salvage, Ford Fairlane. I got a lot of reviews in this old notebook. Ah, Ford Fairlane. That <laughs> 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 was one of three
4: people.
2: So,
0: <laughs> we, we, it's a long list, and uh, some of those may show up on uh, on later episodes Yeah, I was here. 13.
1: What do you <laughs> so, <hear>? Yeah, you <laughs> Yeah.
0: Uh, Paul, what about you, sir? Uh, final thoughts with Frankenhooker and, and Nightbreed?
1: I guess my final thoughts would be is to uh, just don't forget about the movies that you might have hated as a child. Uh, even if, And even if you hate films now, just know that in a few years down the line, it might become a better film because you know we're kind of like movie monsters. We evolve with our times, and as such, our opinions about movies will change. And I think these these are good examples. Like we looked at movies we haven't looked at for like twenty five years and we have much a much, much different opinion about those movies now. And I just want everybody that's listening to us to know that that uh that can be true with any movie that you've seen. And so don't be afraid to look at some of those old movies that you might have hated. Excellent, excellent. Scott?
3: Uh you know I don't really have much to add for once but uh just to say that uh just to say that I love both these movies cuz you know and both of them in their own little way are kind of celebrate uh the freaks and monsters amongst us all you know Nightbreed of course does it uh with uh well I I'd gone into that you know by showing the beauty of these people and how they have to hide from all these, the, the real world, which is seen as kind of mundane and prejudiced and everything else, and then there's Frankenhooker, where, you know, she didn't want to be what she became, and it was a and it was kind of a more self interest and everything. But if you look, the people we sympathize with most in these movies are the monsters and the freaks and the outcasts, and the people we that are ultimately responsible for the bad things are the people, mm. are the humans, you know. Um, Jeffrey, even though he might not admit it to himself, is responsible for a lot of the bad stuff in there. And then you have people like Zoro. And of course you have like basically every human being practically in Nightbreed. <laughs> uh so I mean I think that it it, it speaks to these cult classics kind of speak to the kind of the freaks and outcasts that do follow these movies, uh, of which I would consider myself one. <laughs> and uh it uh I think they stand the test of time, like you know there's lots of things that you remember for nostalgia value, but honestly, I can pop in either one of these movies and it's just as effective today as it was, right. so they're just uh they're just great movies I love
0: them and uh for me for both of these films. Again, what everybody here has said about these movies, uh, you know, you're revisiting them. That's part of the reason why I wanted to do this. And tonight, we're just discussing with all these wonderful people that happened to join me in the room tonight. Uh, You know, I look at Nightbreed suddenly differently again. And I just watched it yesterday, and now I've got a whole new understanding of this film (laughs) thanks to our discussion here. Uh, Films, I think, you know, they're art, they're subjective. And uh, I think a lot of times, you know, interpretations can change depending on when you watch these films, what you get out of them. And that's kind of what I want to explore with the rest of the series, is exploring some other films, not necessarily cult films, not necessarily genre films, but just these films that came out around that time, and because it was just a really interesting time in 1990, and you got a kind of a transition from that 80s to that 90s mentality, and it was a really big difference, and so these films were kind of in the middle, so uh, I hope you enjoyed this journey that we're taking, and I hope you continue with us for the rest of 2015. Next month, we'll have another one. I'm not quite sure which one I want to do yet. Uh, We'll have to see. I want to try to keep things interesting here, but uh, I appreciate everybody here in the room real quick. Why don't we just go down where they can find your stuff at? Uh, Go ahead, Cole. What about you, sir?
5: I am on uh, Facebook Cole Meredith, M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H or Shadows and Lovers Productions or uh, Horror Roar. Uh horror. me out. I'm always talking about movies.
0: <laughs> horror Roar is a great group out there on Facebook, folks. You need to check it out. Uh, some really fun artwork that gets displayed put on there, especially for the horror fans out there. So uh, definitely check out Horror Roar and groups as well as track Cole Down. Uh, he's always looking to Talk movies. And uh, Don, what about you?
4: Um, you can find me at in the audience.net.
0: Yes. And uh, Andrew?
2: Oh, man. Hey, everybody. <laughs> um, so I have four feature films on Amazon on demand. I would love it if you would rent one, and uh, hope you enjoy yourself with that. Uh, one of them is called Fake Blood. Another one of them is called Mondo Gonzo. The other one's called uh, Pajama Nightmare. And my newest one on there is called The Underground Cinema with an S Cinema. Uh, yeah, rent them. They're like a dollar, two dollars. Man, you, you yeah, the, the, yeah. I would love it if you get it. They're, they're fun. You'll like it. You got, uh, you know, it's it's stuff. It's good stuff. It's like if garage music except for uh, movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Paul. Uh, to kind of paraphrase Frankenhooker, I not only have all the right blogs, but I have them in all the right places. Oh! oh. Wow. And Dr. Those, Jersey boy. Yes. <laughs> and one of those places is forsakenfilmreviews.wordpress.com. Uh, so,
0: and uh, Scott?
3: Uh, you can catch me at uh, com. That's uh, where I... Uh, post any of these podcasts I'm on. I do a lot of writing. I have a column that I do every week. Uh, and, of course, I have episodes of my web series, Moviocrity, which you can also check out on Vimeo and YouTube.
0: Excellent. And specialmarkproductions.com is where you can find links for all these fantastic and talented and smart people, as well as my stuff as well, if you're interested. Specialmarkproductions.com. There's a spoiler room link where you can go there, check out the archive of our episodes, or we are on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. You can, if you have an idea for the show, go to the Special Mark Productions forum at SpecialMarkProductions.com. Go there, sign up, and comment on these episodes. Let us know what you think. Let us know if there's any episodes you'd like to see on the show. Love to hear feedback from you guys. If you don't want to do the forum, we also have a email, uh, spoiler room, uh, I believe it's the uh, spoiler room.smp at gmail.com. So spoiler S is in Sam, M is in Mark, P is in Productions. Uh, at gmail.com. So check those out. Love to hear back from you guys out there, Uh, because part of the reason we do this is uh, for you folks, plus just to hear ourselves talk about movies, because we love movies so much. But uh, anyway, I thank everybody for joining us on this journey. Join us at least for our next episode. Look on SpecialMarkProductions.com for an interview with Patty Mullen. Uh, I'm working those details out now. I'm sending her questions. And as soon as I get those, I will be posting those on the site as well you want to check out her thoughts uh, and what we've asked her and as always in the spoiler room remember the discussion is fresh even when the films are spoiled